Hello, and welcome to the Love Offering Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Adams, and today's guests are physician Jenny McLaren and scientist Cymbeline Couliot. They are on the show today talking about how our bodies are designed to heal physically, but also spiritually and emotionally. We pray that after listening, you realize that we are given a model for hopeful, faithful, and enduring healing in all aspects of our lives, and that you discover that your wounds don't have to have the last word. Hello, Jenny and Bim. Welcome to the Love Offering Podcast. I'm so happy to have you both here today. Thank you. Thank you for inviting us. (laughs) As a physician and a scientist, you have partnered to write Designed to Heal, a fascinating look at how the restorative processes of the body can model patterns that we may adapt to heal the acute and chronic wounds of our social bodies. So I'd like to begin with you, Jenny. What compelled you all to write on this topic of relational healing? Thanks, Rachel, and thank you for having us both just so glad to be with you today. Um, Really, there's so much division in our culture and it just exhausted me. And I didn't see a lot of new patterns for um, efforts to address it. Instead, I saw a lot of mutual outrage. There's some sort of sense of entitled anger that seems to permeate our lives no matter what our political or religious faith is. And and then I heard them speak on the science of wound healing and how beautiful and intricate a process it is. And we all just take it for granted. Our body is just designed to do its best to promote healing. And those stages of healing that them talked about, clotting, controlled inflammation, rebuilding, and then either scarring or regeneration, those were such powerful images for me of how we might apply that in the wounds of our community so that we might have a pattern to follow that promotes um, healing rather than division. Yeah, this is such a a timely message, I feel like. And and so I'd love to also hear from you, Bim. What is it about the relational healing that compelled you? So I actually started not thinking about relational healing, but about the science. Like like Jenny said, for those who don't know me, Uh, I am a scientist and I look at when tissue is injured, how does it heal? Why does scar form? Or, and also primarily, what are the conditions so that tissue that's damaged will become fully healed? It can go back to its normal function. So a lot of the past 20 years of my life has been looking at what, you know, what's happening there. And then I realized that, and and a lot of the really damaging uh, injuries that we see in science, and I'm sure with Jenny too, is that it's just stuck at that initial stage of the initial stage is the body defends itself, you know, very, very defensive processes to to protect against what's going on with injury. And a lot of the things that really uh, lead to uh, tissue damage, debilitation and death is actually getting stuck at that very powerful defensive stage. And then I realized that, you know what, a lot of the things I'm seeing in science, I also see in, in my life, I see it in communities, primarily that how do you get past that first defensive state that's, yeah, and that's often characterized by uh, anger, you know, it's characterized by divisiveness, distrust, and also your instinct is to withdraw, to distance, to isolate, as opposed to embracing a lot of, you know, a lot of people or circumstances that you can be. So I said, 
you know, what, what about I wanted to share about what I'm learning are, what are the ideal conditions for healing biologically? And what are the themes, the patterns that we can learn from so that we don't get stuck, you know, in these stages of uh, relational and personal injury and healing that we don't get past to the point where we heal relationships and we heal organizations or communities. I think this is a topic that is going to resonate with every single person because we all have these relationships and we've all been hurt in so many ways and need healing. So this may feel like an obvious question, but Jenny, who did you write this primarily for? I mean, my answer is all of us, <laughs> but what would you say? Right, Rachel, that's, that's right. So in a nutshell, um, because we all share human bodies that were designed by God for healing, we all can imitate that pattern. And we all live in communities that are hurt and we all experience hurt relationships ourselves. So yes, all of us. And initially I really saw this as like almost like a TED talk, if you know what those are, um, that, wow, look at this image and look how applicable it is to the world around us. But then Bem and I started writing and <laughs> we realized um, while we want it to be applicable to everybody, that there's no denying with honesty the in, in central position of our Christian faith um, in that healing. And um, so we incorporated that and we're honest about it. And I would guess that uh, Christians might most resonate with all parts of the book, but we tried to write it in a way that is open and accessible um, to all. So I, I use the term of C.S. Lewis of mere Christianity. It, it, it is honest about Christianity, but it is open to anybody who's willing to hear a spiritual viewpoint as part of the healing process. And Bem and I have both lived and worked in many cultures and environments and Bem many places in the world. So we purposely tried to make it not North American only or um, you know, a certain brand of Christianity, but rather um, open to people from many cultures, many communities, many um, parts of the world. Yeah, well, I find it so interesting because it's so often, and I hope that I'm not stepping on toes here, but faith is really hard for the academics to understand and to process. And I think that that mm -hmm. is why it's so important that you two academics are sharing so profoundly about your faith. And I think that that, um, is refreshing in so many ways and something very needed. So I'm glad that you all have stepped up to the plate in that way. But, you know, the, the actual premise of Design to Heal is that our bodies are designed to repair wounds through a series of interdependent physical processes. Yet the emotional and social wounds that we experience often destroy relationship without ever resolving. So Jenny, why do you think that this is the case? And what are some steps that we can take to resolve this issue? Thanks, Rachel. Yeah, our bodies are designed to repair. And um, I think the problems in our society right now and just in our, in my family, everybody's family is healing is slow and it's uncomfortable. I mean, human body healing involves pain. It involves death of certain cells and life of others and a lot of moving around and rearranging. It's uncomfortable. And I think we give up on it before we even start sometimes. The first phase of bodily hum, uh, healing is really quick, but then it gets slower and slower. 
And I think sometimes we start out thinking we're going to heal some relationship, but we get discouraged by how long it takes. And when we look in our culture, not much is made to last. If we don't like a church, we just leave. If we get annoyed on social media, we unfriend. If we don't like a political position, we protest. But I'm not seeing a whole lot beyond protest to actually listening to someone with whom we disagree. And when we think of loving our enemy, do we love our enemy enough to sit down with them and have a conversation and really listen, not get defensive? And that's what I love about the body's design. It, it is a very um, community-based patient orderly process. And it requires both sides to come together to close the wound or else you just have a gap. And the body is, it's simple, but it's thorough. And um, an example we can use is the first thing the body does when it gets wounded is clot immediately just a few seconds, stop the bleeding. Don't just sit there and ooze and leak blood everywhere. I mean, think about that. If you, if you got cut and that's how your body reacted. So we talk about how can we mimic that? Um, if there's a wound that you see somebody has, the first thing that they need is just validation and that, yeah, their heart hurt, be a clot, hug them, or just acknowledge that they're hurt. It's not a time to analyze or give advice. It's not a time to try to help them understand why anything is happening, just clot. And if you're part of the wound, if you kind of helped make it happen, it really isn't the time to defend yourself right away. That comes later, it comes in tissue building and um, inflammation, and it's, it's just not really appropriate to have that be the first step. Um, another step is inflammation. A little bit of inflammation is good. It cleans up the wound, but a lot of inflammation destroys tissues and it causes ulcers. We'll talk about that in a minute. And so in our relationships, maybe some anger is necessary and even righteous, but we need to know our limits and be willing to move beyond that stage into the next stage. And like Ben said, I think that's where a lot of folks get stuck, kind of get stuck at that inflammation stage. I hadn't told y'all before this, you know, and the listeners know after three seasons, like I'm, I'm no scientist, I'm no physician, but I am such a lover of people and of the Lord. And I'm just fascinated by this, that, you know, this, the, the Bible talks about our, our mind, heart, body, and soul and how they are all so connected. And so I, this is just fascinating to me. And, you know, I, I, I really would like to hear Jenny, what do you think sets the perspective and tone of design to heal apart from books about relationships and emotional recovery, other books about, about those um, two things. Yeah, thanks, Rachel. And we don't want to, you know, we don't see ourselves as the be all and end all or replacing wise psychological advance, you know, advice from mental health experts. We make it very clear. We are not mental health experts. Right. We are companions on the way. And Bem and I are honest about our own struggles and about, you know, we just want to join in with folks on as companions on the way. And really this book is more like a series of parables or metaphors, um, acknowledging, first of all, that we're made in the image of God. And second, that God's image for us is one of healing and wholeness. And I think that might set it apart. Also, I do, I'm a storyteller and I use lots of patient stories from my practice over 30 years to illustrate our points. So you don't have to be a scientist or a medical expert. In fact, 
it's fun to invite you in to that world in a way that is accessible. So it's a lot of stories. And um, we use those stories to give examples of the way the stages of wound healing can apply to our life. So we do give examples of how, for instance, tissue building um, takes place in families and even in some cultures who have really gotten restored um, from past damage. And even like the building of the Vietnam War Memorial is an example that we talk about as um, an example in the scarring uh, chapter. So I think the use of metaphor and imagery is fresh, um, but the idea that Bem and I are companions on the way is, is important and it's not a quick fix. There, this is not a, here's 10 steps to, you know, have a totally different life next year. <laughs> I wish it were true, but it is 10 steps to being hopeful and faithful as we move towards restoration. Yeah. Well, and it strikes me that, you know, we may heal from a certain wound, but then there will be another wound. And so this is an ongoing mm -hmm. process until we meet Jesus face to face. So, um, Bim, what do you think is the primary challenge for counselors and pastors, educators and other leaders trying to foster community in today's divisive culture? And how does Design to Heal aim to address this challenge? I really felt that's a big question. <laughs> so <laughs> right. question. <laughs> and actually struck at the premise of the book, because one of the things that I discovered is actually the foundation of my company is this environment or a matrix of just cells, molecules, and that when it is the right environment, then you get tissue regeneration. And so your question of community actually addresses that particular expertise or work that I have done for, for a long time. So fostering community is, and it requires a lot of things. First, we choose to be in community, be part of one and to establish that. And then we have the work of sustaining and strengthening it to nourish that community. And then things can happen where we have to defend and we have to repair because that community is being challenged or you, you're, you know, it's during a time of, of uh, you know, great injury. And so you need to stick it out when things are not going well. You don't just, like Jenny said, easily dispose or abandon of that. And um, just telling you that whole thing, you know, choosing, sustaining, um, defending and repairing. I'm tired kind of thinking <laughs> this is really a lot. That's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of things to require of human beings that, you know, naturally don't, don't do that. So I think the main challenge uh, is that how do you, um, how do you enable, how do you equip how do you inspire people to do that, to choose, to nourish, to defend and to repair and to stick around for all these things to happen? Um, and I think that the good news that is in design to heal is that it doesn't focus on our, you know, repeated failures, inadequacies or, or inability to do that. It focuses on the one who could actually make that happen. And so if we talk, that's why we focus our attention on the marvel and the power of God's work. First, using the physical, how incredible and wonderful that is, that God had designed. And then, hey, he's doing the same thing, the same themes, the same 
kind of strategies you know, in, in healing kind of those, the personal non-physical wounds that we have. And I really think that that is what we bring here. And we, we, we share that into perspectives from the medicine, from the people, you know, that, that are experiencing healing through medicine. That's Jenny's profession. In my profession, we were looking at what's the secrets, you know, of, of being able to do that. Because we, we look at science and we bring drugs and processes and practices that actually allow physical healing. So we're bringing both and melding those perspectives. And, and we're focusing on that as our inspiration and basically to educate us on how to do this. So as Jenny said, um, this is not DIY manual or a to-do checklist, you know, but more that we, by focusing on what God does in physical healing and the work that he's doing also in, um, in healing the non-physical injuries that we have, that we encourage readers that God is at work. We need to participate and there are things we can do or need to do to participate with him in that journey, uh, but that we want to encourage readers to, to do that. And also by the principles that we share, we want to challenge their imaginations because we cannot possibly cover every wound, every injury, every organization, but that these principles actually cut across cut across, you know, people, uh, races, cut across organizations, and then, you know, use their imaginations, the Holy Spirit working in their imaginations to see how can I use this for this currently injured relationship or my, my wounded church or my wounded company or my institution. So that's what we hope uh, to do. So it's essentially, I look at it as kind of our exhortation to praise and worship by sharing that and how we can do good work in our deeply wounded world. You know, it almost brought tears to my eyes when I was thinking about when you said choose, sustain, strengthen, defend, and repair, because that's what Jesus Christ does for us. And then when we become believers, we have his Holy Spirit in us, and then that's what we are able to do. And so that, that just knowing he's already done that and that the Holy Spirit can do that through us is just so powerful uh, to think about. Uh, so, Jenny, in, in one section of the book, you compare chronic anger to chronic physical inflammation, which you, you actually mentioned a little bit earlier, which is a hallmark of diseases such as diabetes and Hansen's disease in terms of its effect on the body's long-term health. So I'd love for you just to share more about the research that demonstrates the physical effect that emotions, both the positive and the negative, may have on our bodies. Sure, Rachel. Um, there is a lot of fascinating new brain science research that looks at the interplay of emotion and neurotransmitters, the chemical things, and um, products like cortisol or stress hormones. And what we have found is chronic anger is literally deadly. It leads to heart disease, stroke, uncontrolled diabetes, and more chronic illness. Anger changes our cortisol levels and our blood sugar. And that, that phrase about being angry, it's not just that you're hungry, then you get angry. If you get angry, you also get hungry. Um, and you are more likely to have problems with diabetes and obesity. You have shorter attention spans when you're hungry, when you're angry, and you have poor sleep quality. And poor sleep quality shortens your life. On the other hand, positivity has been studied, and that is, to me, really fascinating because it has been shown to um, increase our focus, increase our short-term memory, 
and even truly increase our peripheral vision. So the military is using positivity practices with uh, the soldiers who are in dangerous war zones and need to avoid snipers because it's been shown it literally expands their positive approach, literally expands their peripheral vision and keeps them safer. And so we think about that, about you know being positive, not being fake, but having an understanding of being positive is, is literally being open-minded. It opens up your vision. And another hormone that we're learning more about is oxytocin, which is the love hormone, the hug hormone, the mama hormone gets called a lot of different things, but it gets excreted when we feel comforted and cared for in our social or personal setting. And we write about that in the book in terms of social settings, not just individual family settings. And it actually leads to um, improved well-being um, and overall better health. So as a Christian, you know, we think about the fruits of the spirit and what are those? Well, uh, they are things that all lead to overall health and well-being, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, kindness, self-control. Not sure if I said them all right, but um, they actually promote well-being. And we, there's a lot more to say about this topic. It's just amazing. But um, we do say more about it in the book and there's plenty for everybody to ponder on their own. It is, it is amazing and it's so, so interesting. So uh, in, in a nutshell, Bim, what would you say is the role of collaboration and community in the social healing process? So I have to say that as a scientist, I work in a very collaborative and very communal uh, environment. And so, uh, and also, uh, you know, work with communities here, you know, locally. And what I have found is that community and collaboration is important in that it brings in diverse voices. There's input from different perspectives and that there are different functions. People can do different things and they can bring that into, um, you know, into the situation at hand. And also because there's mutual encouragement in community. And especially if you're going through painful and complicated healing journeys. So the book itself is an illustration of just beautifully integrating medical, scientific, theological, and sociocultural perspectives. And it took eight years of, I think it's more close to 10 years now of friendship with Jenny and three years of actual writing and going back and forth with manuscripts and, and lots of people with different skills to actually birth it. Um, and I would say, I seriously would not dream of doing this um, if not for Jenny and if not for the help with people like Lucy Shaw and Philip Yancey and the full support of my own family, my son, you know, and my husband. So I think the power of community is that it enables us to do what we cannot do or things that we cannot do easily by ourselves or the things that we won't do alone because we're afraid. And writing a book I have found um, when Jenny invited me to do this is a frightening process. <laughs> you're not there and, and being in the community we've been that really helped me to you know to participate and to collaborate with Jenny on this book yeah. 
Hey there, I just wanted to pop in here and pause today's episode just for a moment to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode. This week's sponsor is Faithbox. Faithbox is a Christian box with themed devotionals, books, and products to help you grow closer to Jesus and live out your faith in the real world. Faithbox helps you to grow closer to Jesus by delivering spiritually enriching Christian devotionals and exclusive do-good products to your front door every month. I have been getting these faith boxes for almost four months now, I believe, and Honestly, every time I open one, it is a treat. Every month is a different theme, and throughout each month, they give a a devotion each day, which is an added bonus. So specifically for our Love Offering podcast listeners, Faithbox has given us $10 off of our first month by using the discount code LOVEOFFERING all capital letters, L-O-V-E-O-F-F-E-R-I-N-G, and you can find them by visiting faithbox.com. Now, back to our episode. Jenny, are there some practical ways that we can cultivate healing in our relationships and community today? Um, Yes, Rachel, there's a lot. And I'll just be briefly mention a couple. First, I think it's just important to decide that healing is what should be promoted and that that's what we're seeking. Second, understand that it takes time. We've said that before. Third, most importantly, don't go it alone. It's a community process. So get a community of folks who are committed with you to restoration, including folks that that maybe annoy you sometimes. And um, uh, fourth, take baby steps. Just practice, 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 practice every chance you get. Um, If you see somebody wounded, um, be a clot. Don't draw away. Give them them a a hug or a validation. if don't hand out advice, don't hand out excuses, just show up um, and be willing for other people to step in. So practice letting other people step in a bit and maybe get in your way a bit. That's what happens in tissue building. And then if you find yourself getting triggered and upset over, easily over past wounds, particularly around certain people, then um, who are the healthy folks? in your life who can help you see that that's part of scar revision and how can you integrate that into your life so that that you don't get triggered so easily. So there's lots of, there's lots of examples in the book um, on how we can do that. I love those really small practical ways that we can apply this. Mm -hmm. And and so Bim, I'd like to hear from you. What, What have you learned about the nature of God through studying the complex process of physical healing in the body? So my, my work on physical healing has taught me a lot about God's power, his love, and his wisdom. And I learned from us that he's constantly bringing healing to the wounds in my life that hinder his plan for me, which is an abundant and a joyful life. And that the wounds that I have uh, are preventing me from, from doing that, but he is constantly working in it. And that entrusting my life to him isn't just about going to heaven when I die, but it actually includes transformation and restoration here on earth uh, and mending my brokenness here on earth. Um, so that's a big, that was a big revelation for me. And also the thing that was hard for me to accept, I learned is that God loves processes. You know, I study a lot of biological processes. Wound healing is just one of many. It's the most powerful one for me but that he really loves processes. I wish he would just kind of wave a wand, say something and it's over. You know, uh, uh, suffering is over. A journey of healing is over very quickly. But God doesn't do that. In fact, he's normal, he can do it. 
and he's certainly done that in a physical way and sometimes he's done that i know in 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 a non-physical way too but most of the time his mode of operation is really a process but in doing so god you know takes me through many seasons and in every season something happens that prepares me for the next season and in also doing that god recruits many players and he orchestrates many situations in order to do that he really loves diversity unity and collaborating Mm. So these are the part, you know, the, the nature of God that I've learned a lot so much. Yeah. Oh, really. What great examples. So Jenny, what message do you hope that will resonate most with your readers after they have finished reading the book? Well, I hope that people will realize that our body's wound pro healing process, which we take for granted is so simple and yet so amazing to behold. We don't all walk around oozing all the time from our injuries. And I'd love for readers to imagine their own lives and communities transformed by the same picture, a beautiful, hopeful restoration where unity instead of division is what we see and what we pursue. Yeah, oh, I pray the same. After this conversation, hearing this conversation and after reading uh, that book, your book. So based on today's conversation, Jenny and Bim, how do you think that we can best be love offerings? So thank you, Jenny, for letting me do this for, for both of us. So our book is a love offering to the church and to those who are willing to listen. So in this book, we share some very personal parts of our lives and also our professional lives some of our ideas you know and thoughts and so it demanded a lot of transparency honesty and courage to do that but we did so not just to showcase god's work in our lives already and what else he's doing but also to minister uh, to those who need healing in their lives so we believe that readers can really extract a lot of principles from this book and that they also become better agents of healing in their in their lives and in their circles and offer themselves as um, as agents of healing wherever they are. Yeah, oh, that is really good encouragement. You all, I, I really appreciate both of your, your wisdom and your transparency today and just your heart. So how can we best stay connected with you both? Well, thanks, Rachel. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to know you and how you are living your life as a love offering. Um, I have a website and it has both them and my information on it um, and links to the book and blog and all of that. And it's just my name, JennyMcLauren.com. And we'd love to hear from any of your readers and listeners in any way that um, the book uh, speaks to them around restoration. So we welcome any feedback. Well, I will include that link to your website in the show notes, but I just want to thank you both for your time and for your wisdom. And we pray for healing physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and relationally for each woman listening, because we are designed to heal. God bless you both. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode with Jenny McLaren and Cymbeline Couliot. We pray that if you have had a wounded relationship, that after today's episode, you realize that you are designed to heal. This week, our love offering is from Bim. She says that we can become better agents of healing in our lives by offering ourselves as agents of healing to be the essential components of the healing matrix in the circles we live in. 
If you are interested in show notes, you can head on over to at Rachel Adams author on Instagram and Facebook. I'd love to connect with you there. I'd also love to connect with you over on rachelkadams.com. There you can sign up to receive your weekly love offering newsletter and download some free resources, including the new Beholding Advent devotional. This devotional is a collection of 24 writers who were each assigned a chapter of the Gospel of Luke. There are reflection questions and prayer prompts and a free Beholding Advent community over on Facebook. We pray that you download this devotional and start reading along with us starting on December the 1st. You can download your copy at rachelkadams.com slash free. Next week, my guest is Janelle Rairdon. She is on the show talking about becoming stronger every day, where she gives us nine tools for an emotionally healthy you. But until then, I hope you have a terrific week. And as always, remember to lead with love.